Welcome back. I'm Brett Harris. This is God Knows Where. We're exploring the topics that we talk about a lot, but that Jesus never did, or at least not how we've been taught that he did. And today, we're turning our attention to love. And we'll look at a story about how true love gets lost in translation. I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have shared the show with others, especially those of you who've done so uh, since I announced I'd be giving away some You Can Help or You Can Hush t-shirts. I'll be announcing the folks who won those t-shirts later today uh, over on social media. So if you're not following the show, head over to Instagram or to Facebook. You can follow the links in the show notes to find the show there. Uh, And make sure you're following the show on social media. Maybe we'll have another giveaway soon, too, so you won't want to miss out on that either. But thank you again for all the ways you're showing love to this show. Thanks again for helping God Knows Where get to more folks and for listening. I hope you all enjoy today's episode, True Love. As folks trying to follow Jesus, probably the thing that we aspire to the most or the thing that we're taught to aspire to the most is to love like Jesus, to see one another the way Jesus sees us, to become so in tune with the divine that we can offer the same grace to our neighbors that Jesus offered to his. And we can heal the same wounds that he healed that have festered in our lives for far too long. And we try that. We try to love like Jesus. We try to look out for each other the way Jesus looked out for us. It's just really, really hard to love others the way Jesus loved them. It can feel impossible to love others the way Jesus loves us. Because even at our very best, we drop the ball. We let each other down. We hurt the people we love. We break their hearts. We break their trust. None of us, no matter how much we try, none of us can perfectly love somebody else the way Jesus loves us. That's why I'm so grateful for this conversation between Jesus and Peter in John's Gospel. There, Jesus makes it clear that what's more important than loving perfectly is loving honestly. Because at its root, love is about honesty. Sure, it stems from generosity and connection, the actions that we can see that come from love, but love is rooted in honesty. And throughout the Gospels, this word love gets used a lot. And as you know, or as you might remember from previous lives or from the episode Faith Off that we had a few weeks ago, there's four kinds of love in Greek. Two of them, storge, a parent's love for their children, and eros, a romantic love, those are never used in the Gospels. The other two show up dozens of times. Mostly it's agape, though, that Christ-like love that we hear most about. But occasionally, phileo, the fourth kind, the brotherly love that we know about, shows up as well. Leading up to this moment between Peter and Jesus, this conversation where Jesus comes to Peter with a really simple question. Every time up until then that love gets brought up, it's agape. Love your neighbor. For God so loved the world. No greater love than this. Agape, agape, agape. We are called to love others the way God loves us repeatedly. But this one time, and only this one time, as far as I can tell, these two kinds of love show up together. And that's when Jesus asks Peter 
if he loves him. Three times, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him in quick succession. And each time, Peter says he does, but what they're really saying to each other gets lost to our English ears. And it makes all the difference for our understanding of what's going on there. It makes all the difference for those of us aspiring and failing and aspiring and failing to respond to Jesus' love for us to understand that difference, to understand what they're saying to each other. So for the purposes of clarity, let's call agape loving someone the way God loves us. And let's call phileo loving someone like a brother. So here's what they're really saying to each other. Hey, Peter, do you love me the way I love you? I love you like a brother, Jesus. Peter, do you love me the way I love you? I love you like a brother, Jesus. Peter, do you love me like a brother? Yes, Jesus, I love you like a brother. The only thing that changes in that whole conversation is what Jesus asks Peter the third time. Peter's response is the same each time he's asked if he loves Jesus. He can only admit that he loves Jesus like a brother. He knows that to say that he loves Jesus any more than that or any other way than that would be inauthentic. He probably aspires to love Jesus that way, but he knows he's not capable of doing that right now. And so he chooses not to say that he could. He could tell Jesus what he thinks Jesus wants to hear, the response he thinks Jesus wants from him. You know, like when the person you're dating tells you that they love you and you don't really feel that way yet about them or you're not ready for that kind of commitment or what that really means. But you don't want to hurt this person. So you decide to say you love them too. Peter could do that to Jesus. He could respond that way to Jesus, but he knows it would be a lie. And he knows that down the road, him saying that now would lead to a strain in their relationship. He might want to say it right now, but he knows that he can't back it up. Not yet, at least. So he doesn't say it. So he's honest with Jesus about what he can do, about how he can love him. Peter knows what we know. The true love can't exist where honesty is absent. And I've gotten the feeling over the years that honesty is missing from our love in the church too often. Honesty with others and with ourselves. We aren't always honest about our capacity to love. Too often we say the things we think we're supposed to say to get the response from people around us or to make sure that we don't hurt them. And it ends up hurting them. We cast a wide net with our words when we say things like, everyone is always welcome here and we're open to all and there is a place for you here. But too often we say that when what we really mean is, you're always welcome here if you think like us. Or our doors are open to all, but you, you can just sit in the pew. Or there's a place for you here when you stop doing what you're doing or stop being who you are. We say the things we think we're supposed to say to make people feel good, to make people feel welcome, to make them feel like we love them. But we leave out the qualifiers that always 
quantify our capacity to love. We say to people what we think they want to hear from us instead of being honest and authentic with them and letting that carry us forward. And it's not working. We keep failing to back up what we say with what we do or how we treat people. And that's not love. That's heartbreak. When we do that, we're breaking people's hearts. We're breaking their spirits and their trust and their faith because we don't mean what we say and we don't say what we mean. And we wonder why people leave or why they don't come back. And I have to be clear, I think our words and our invitations, those phrases that we use, I think they come from good intentions. I think in most cases, we in the church really do want to love everyone the way Jesus loves us. We really do want to mean it when we say we love you, you're welcome here, there's a place for you here. But these images we project, they cover up what we're afraid to admit, what we're afraid to say out loud. That we don't know how to love others the way Jesus loves us. That we haven't gotten there yet. We're trying, but we haven't gotten there. That we want to, we really want to love people the way Jesus loves us. But we're scared of what that means. How we might have to change. How we might have to be changed by that kind of relationship. And who that might mean we come into relationship with because of that love. We're afraid of the honest conversations that are required to love people the way Jesus loves us. We're afraid of doing the honest reflections that we have to undertake to see others the way Jesus sees them. But loving other people, loving those around us, is too important a task to trade honesty for fear. We've got to be honest with each other about our capacity for love. You remember those ads for foster parents that used to run on TV? Maybe they still do run on TV, but I haven't seen them recently. You know, the ones where the adult was always failing miserably at some simple parenting task. And the kids always seemed happy no matter what the parent was doing. They were just happy that the parent was there and willing to be a parent. And the narrator always ended the spot with, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. I think we think we have to be perfect to follow Jesus. We have to say the perfect things to let other people know that we follow Jesus. When really all we hear from Jesus in this conversation with Peter is, Peter, be honest with me. And I don't know that Jesus is testing Peter in this conversation, but I do think Jesus is gauging if Peter will be honest with him. And I think that's why it's Jesus who changes the question he asks, and not Peter who changes his answer. And because of Peter's honesty, because of his willingness to say what he knows is true, even if it might fall short of the goal, Jesus meets him where he is. Because of his honesty, they keep the conversation going. They keep their relationship moving forward. Because of Peter's honesty, Jesus doesn't force him to feel some way he doesn't or claim something he can't live out. And he doesn't take away that request that he puts on Peter 
to care for the people around him, to be the cornerstone for future communities. Even though Peter's capacity for love is smaller, because of his honesty, Jesus expects the same response out of him, regardless of his capacity or ability to love. The call is always to feed my sheep. We don't have to always be able to love others the way Jesus loves us. Peter wasn't. He admitted it. But what we do have to do, what we do have to be willing to do, is to be honest with one another, to tell the truth to one another, to be comfortable admitting what we may or may not be capable of in our relationships with each other. Our words matter. They aren't the only way that we express our love, for sure they aren't the only way. But they are one of the most visible. They're one of the ones that we take to heart most frequently. And we owe it to each other to be honest with each other. Because being honest is much better than pretending to be something we can't and never being able to live up to it. And that takes courage to admit. It takes courage to admit that we might fall short of the goal or we might not yet be capable of all that we hope to be capable of one day. It takes humility to share that truth with others. And it takes trust to be confident in our relationship with someone else that when we're honest with them and when we're honest with ourselves, that we won't split up, that we'll find a way to stick together like Jesus and Peter. Honesty, courage, humility, trust, all these things, we mix them together. And that's when and that's where we find true love. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family, and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me, and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, and your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.